This is The Living Temple, a podcast produced by Red Church for people who want to follow Christ in real life. And when the people of God are accused of idolatry, it's that they're wanting a foot in both Hi, we're back. I'm Liddy Pickens and this is mm. Mark Sayers. How are you going, Mark? I'm going good. Well, we've had an eventful start to this one, really. There's a yes. few things happening. Yes. We, well, first of all, we, our, our, we had to stop. Just for the listeners, just to update you what's yep. happening in our, you know, in our world, in our world of the living temple. We just had to stop because we could see the Jehovah's Witnesses in the street, and so they came to the front door. So that yes. stopped the recording. But then also, uh, you have a banana pen. I do have a banana which pen. Which looks like a miniature pen. Uh, well, sorry, uh, not a miniature pen. <laughs> a miniature banana. A miniature banana, it which does. is incredibly it's very, realistic. It's very true to life. No black yeah. spots on it to speak of. No, my mum no. bought it for me for my birthday. So, uh-huh. and happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you, and happy birthday to you. Yes, yes, we're yes. a couple of days separated. Yes, um, but not in years. No. Um, and we also came up with a chill wave band name. Yeah, Kissette. Kissette. Yeah, so, so and we've already worked it, on a cover, cover art. We don't really do albums. It'd be like some obscure band camp yeah. release. Yeah. yeah, or maybe we'd put it out on vinyl or something. Yeah, and vinyl. Bandcamp yeah. and SoundCloud, Bandcamp, vinyl. Yeah. It's done. It's happening. So look out for that release, guys. Yeah, Kissette. It's coming. Okay, none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about. Not at all. But what... We have looked at, which is related to last week's episode, is we watched the um, ad, the bank ad. Yes, yes, um, yes. That supports people when they're separating. And I tell you what, it was, mm, I don't know if there's words for me. What bank was it again? Westpac. Westpac, the Australian bank, Westpac, if you're listening overseas. And, well, okay, it's really interesting because it actually is a good segue. First of all, as someone who studied advertising, and couldn't complete the course because of my moral radar. Um, nothing against people in advertising. But, um, oh I did my goodness. an entire um, media and communications degree, so wow, my wow. moral compass might be a little out of whack. I don't yes. know. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tearjerker. It's, it's like a whole story through the eyes of a boy yeah. whose parents have separated, separating, um, and you see the boy like, you know, almost having to be the dad. Do you notice that? Like he's getting yes. a spider, yeah, a classic yeah. huntsman spider off the wall and he's having to be the dad, but it runs away. Um, so it's, it's, it's actually quite amazing in that. What was the song too? So there was like it's a landslide. Yes, um, it's like yes. an acoustic version of landslide, which is what Fleetwood Mac. Or yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, which is a song. I mean, that whole album is a tribute to relational breakdown. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen the, uh, you know, behind the music of that Fleetwood Mac album, but where I think everyone broke up with everyone and got together for everyone and then broke up with them again during the recording of that album in the band. Um, But yeah, just shows how, that ad shows how a song, which is emotive. Yes. um, Images, which are deeply, that ad said in 30 seconds showed us a story of a young boy caught between two parents. They're living by the beach. The image is him trying to be the dad, helping the little boy taking out the rubbish bins to the curb. Like Um, Also protecting his mum when the the dishwasher guy comes around. Dishwasher repair guy comes around. He's like, back off from my mum. But then you see, because the dad figure doesn't appear till later. No. You hear his voice, but then it's like... um, 
he he appears um, later on, which is interesting because it's almost uses a similar technique to the movie E.T. Yeah. Um, E.T. is a story of fathers as aliens. <laughs> what? <laughs> So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah. I have to go there now. Um, th- this podcast is about digging into things deeper, but it's really interesting because Elliot, his, his parents have separated Elliot. and it was one of the first movies to really show divorce. To, oh, right. um, and so you don't actually see a male figure in the movie. There's the guy who's chasing the aliens and he just has this like keychain. So it's really interesting how male father figures are, are distant. And then E.T. comes in oh. and E.T. is the father figure, yet he's an alien. And so it's basically like how in American cultural life, there's a whole generation of divorced kids now who the dad's like an alien. He's on another planet. Far out. That's your cultural reading of E.T. that you didn't even ask for. But, no, but thank you. Oh, no worries. Um, so in a sense, the ad uses that where you just hear the voice of the father. But then you see that incredible touching thing of the father and the boy lying on the bed. You know, yeah. And it's just like... Which mirrored the relationship with the mum in the yes, earlier part of the yes, yes. Um, ad. And then you go through, you're on this like heart-wrenching, like, you know, this is going to end in a separation, but then still done beautifully, but done with sort of hope at the end. And, you know, change, oh, it's just changes and it can lead to a new possibility for yeah. that boy. When really it's just an absolute tragedy. Like, but then at the end, it's banking services. Yes. This so is the selling text you comes banking. up on the screen. If you yes. are separating, we can help. Yeah. So, you know, you think about the reality. You're going to the bank and you're meeting some, some bank manager who's going to like help you untangle your funds for a fee you know so what that says is that captures exactly what we were talking about last Mm. time that there's these two stories going on there is the story happening in the imagery the way it's shot the Mm -hmm. music the little vignettes of a story we want to see a story ads tell stories now Um, so that shows humans are story creatures which we're establishing last time but then underneath it there's the reality that how easily we um, like so the Abbott Westpac Bank understands that we're story creatures and we're moved by stories and stories get our attention and yes. that we're longing for something yeah. we're longing for the better day after the, the separation we're longing I, I'm, I'm watching that ad and I'm like I want this kid to have a good life like yeah. and he's yeah. not even real you know and you feel sorry for him because there's a sense that we understand the world's broken yes we have that memory of Eden we had that Tolkien quote but yeah. we want to go you know, to something better. So this concept that there's these two stories, one secular story, which is like the wrapping of the gift, which is tied beautifully. It's the story that you're an individual, you know, even if there's tragedy, this can work to something better. It's the fairy lights, you know, reflecting on the woman's face and the house near the beach and all this. But then you unwrap the gift and it's the secular story, which actually serves the interests of other people, not you. Yeah. And a lump of coal, perhaps. Yeah, a lump of coal is is the actual gift. So it's this really interesting dynamic where these two things going on. One, you're special. The other, that you're not special. One, you're individualistic and spontaneous. The second one, no, you're actually totally predictable. And actually, that is the foundation of people's longing, but also frustration. Yeah. So one of the concepts talk about a lot and it's essential for people to get their heads around is that then creates a high performance culture. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that creates a culture where because as we spoke about last time, you're tantalized with this possibility that you can find the right combination to life. Yeah. You then spend your life not inside the vaults with the gold and, and dollar bills. Gold bullion. Gold bullion. 
like in the heist movie, you just spend your life sitting there on the hard linoleum floor trying to get the right combination. Mm. And there's a lot of stuff at the moment, a lot of articles going around about burnout generation and how people are reaching this particular burnout. That's because we're exhausted of spinning, spinning that combination. Mm. So there's a story which is told to you that seems to serve you, that you're the center of the world, but that's simply a story to exploit you. Yes. So To serve who? To serve big business. Yeah. To serve those who, who are monetizing and making money from the story that's been told about you. Now, what's really interesting is that we then, and we were chatting to Daniel, our intrepid um, sound guy who's sitting in the background with the earphones on and doing just technological things we don't even understand. Um, <laughs> but we were just talking in, in, as we were prepping just how that story is so, don't use the term, it's the water in which we swim. It's so assumed. Still love that. Uh, Liddy loved that metaphor, the water <laughs> in which we swim. So this story that we actually are special then creates a culture. Mm. Okay, so let me, let me take that apart. What a culture is, you know, we would say we live in Western culture, but we need to understand the roots of the word culture. The roots of the word culture go back to Latin and this word cultus. So listeners may be familiar with the term cult, uh, which we apply to, um, you know, religious movements that have gone toxic, particularly small ones where there's a lot of control. Um, But cultus in the technical term means ways of worship. And the Latin root of that, sort of a few words, one is worship. So it's actually about worship. And Christopher Dawson, in his book, uh, West, uh, I think it's called the West and and Christianity, uh, written in the mid century, mid twentieth century. He said culture is linked to worship. Culture and cultus are linked. A culture yeah, forms sense. around what we worship. Yeah. Um, and he so therefore we worship individualism. Yeah. So it's that people are exploiting that, mm-hmm. right? So there's times throughout history when religious leaders have exploited religious power to to exploit the populace. One example, go back to the Reformation and you had indulgences in some parts of the Catholic Church which had become corrupt, um, where people were paying in a sort of religious Ponzi scheme to um, get to their relatives of yeah, out, of, out yeah. of purgatory. So pay that money, you know, which was funding the building of buildings, uh, churches or you know, glory, whatever. Um, we live in a similar setup. Mm. So basically people today are in, inhabiting a setup where you're told a religious story, which yeah. is that you're the individual, you're the center of worship. Yes. Um, but then you're having indulgences ripped off you. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? Now, so you're kind of like buying the things to make yourself more something yes yeah Yeah. totally so so um you will sit on your phone yeah okay yeah and you will just scroll through instagram yeah um you will construct an identity Mm -hmm. you will live in that particular neighborhood because no longer do we just go i live there it's actually this neighborhood says something about me oh that one that one gets me real deep. Um, so everything, like, like, like place is about construction of, of individual identity. Yeah. So everything's about individual identity. But then who's, who's shaping that individual identity? You aren't. No. You think, oh, I bought this, inc- I found this incredible um, 
uh, cassette vinyl <laughs> album, <laughs> which no one knows about because it hasn't been made and it doesn't exist. But you know, or you know, so underground. It, 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 yeah, it's so you find this rare vinyl, or you find this incredible little um, household item, or this holiday spot that no one knows about, and it doesn't just give you an experience; it feeds your ego and your identity. Yeah. So we're we're creating itches, and then we're, we're scratching them for you. Yeah. Um, so. What this means is that cult and worship is at the center of mm. culture. Now, there's two other words that cultus comes from in the Latin, and one is inhabited. The root of that cultus is worship yeah. and inhabited. So you have to inhabit it. So you live yeah. in a culture. You inhabit it. Now, this is not just belief, right? So again, to intrepid sound guy, Daniel, made the point that um, the realization had come to him recently that, um, you know, as he thought about this stuff, that mm. for years what he was trying to do was fit um, or take elements of Christian thought and apply that to the reality of his life. Yeah. Um, now, Daniel's not alone in that. That's what the church has been doing for ages. So here's your life. You're getting on with it. You're an individual, special, spontaneous person. You can have an awesome life. What bits of Christian belief can you apply to that? So I'm having the awesome life and I'm at a dance party festival with 30,000 people and they may believe something different to me, but I want what they want, but I want it with Christian content. Yeah. And so so then that's naturally going to re- equal frustration because yes, it's there's not... there's like an emptiness there's an in emptiness that experience. Because it's not just about content. Yeah. It's about inhabiting a way of life. Yeah. Okay, so this is the gap. And you, in that one, you're kind of trying to inhabit two. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're trying to live in two houses. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, okay, now we're digging into the scriptures. Okay, so in the sense, the biblical warnings against idolatry, and it's constantly saying about um, idol worship, that Israel is like, they're, they're worshipping Yahweh. There's lots of times where Israel's worshipping Yahweh, the God of Israel, mm. but then they've also got their little statues to Baal or Asterisk poles, yes. right? So idolatry in many ways is trying to, and when the people of God are accused of idolatry, it's that they're wanting a foot in both camps. Yes. Okay. So let's start to paint that over now our current situation. Okay. Okay. So you have to inhabit something. So, so many people go, okay, I'll become a Christian. I believe these five things. I tick, yeah, I, I go to my Baptist church, say, and we have a statement of belief and I believe them all. Yet I'm inhabiting a different story. Yeah. So it's actually the story which moves you. It's not just the set of beliefs. Yeah. I believe in sets of beliefs. Red has a set set of uh, uh, doctrines. You know, I, yeah. I believe in doctrines, but doctrines have to also interrelate yeah. with the story. Yes. The doctrines flow out of the story, and you have to live in a story. Yes. First of all, etymology lesson. Great. Um, I'm obsessed with words. Thank you. Uh, So what you're saying here, if I can just sort of distill it down into something, is that we can believe in God. We can profess a, a Christian worldview, but the way that we're living actually speaks of, um, a different narrative altogether that we are operating out of a completely different framework or story. Mm. 
Yeah. Is that kind of what you're yes. you're saying? We can sort of be in two places at once. Yes, yes. Yeah. Leslie Newbegin said once, if you want to know someone's religion, don't necessarily, I mean, I'm paraphrasing him, but yeah. he said, um, don't look at what they say they profess, look at what they do. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is that you can believe one thing, but then be living another thing. And I'm saying it's the story which you really believe you'll live out of. Yeah. So... Let me just take this into the secular again for one second. Sure. So one of the things that you'll hear a lot um, is you'll hear people say, hey, listen, I've heard, I've heard Christians say this increasingly recently, or, you know, as they sort of hit moments of doubt. Um, what if this is just all brain chemicals? A number of people said to me recently, uh, worship, you know, it's just elevating the brain, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's an element. It's actually true. Yeah. Um, you can have a scientific thing that's also got spiritual related behind it. Um, Jeremiah said, talks about babies being knitted in their mother's wombs, yet we also know that how that works with conception and all that. Yeah. So you can have two things happening at once. But you have this argument, which is like, it's just all brain chemicals. And um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know what I believe. It's just brain chemicals. You know, humans you know, create these stories to do with the brain chemicals where pattern finding machines, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That's an interesting thing to throw out to critique a worship service, say. Okay. Right? Yeah. Tell that to the person who is sitting in the palliative care ward mm. who's just said goodbye to the person who they love who's died. It's just brain bonding chemicals given to you so that you carry your DNA on. So it's the person who's fighting for racial justice mm. with the threat of their life saying, look, okay, this is really an abstract concept. It's not really about racism or justice. That's just stuff that you want to do to keep the DNA of the human species going. A pretty virulent species, really, who's possibly destroying the planet. Yeah, not really. Like, so anyone who lives that out. So I yeah. think there's um, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold who perpetrated the Columbine massacre. They came up with that idea after hearing, you know, a teacher give a lesson on um, biology and, you know, we're told, hey, we're just, we're just chemicals and... You know, there's not a sense of meaning. You're just animals, survival of the fittest. Yeah. When they did the shooting, they wore t-shirts saying survival of the fittest and natural selection. Well, it was natural selection, right? Mm. So they just lived out that philosophy. So yeah. if someone truly lives that, you know, if you just came to me and said, oh, I'm really sorry, I've just come from the hospital. I've just said goodbye to my 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 loved one. And I said, yeah. oh, just chemicals. Get over it. Let's go Let's go and roller skate. You yeah. would go, you are an animal. You are an unfeeling animal. Yeah. Right? And I would also say I don't have roller skates. So. <laughs> yes. Um, we could buy some. Um, this sense that, okay, people say that, but they don't actually live out of it. Yeah. Everyone I've met who's like, it doesn't mean it. They still live out of a story. They're still seduced by the Western story. Yeah. Now, the people who truly live the nihilistic, there's no meaning stories. Um, how do you live out of that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and if humans really are these pattern finding, mini making story machines, we just construct these stories because we've got to exist. Tim Keller makes this really good point. Like, how do we know that stories? Not just, just so if we're fooled. So the, yeah. there's an argument that we're just fooled as humans and we just live out of these stories because we have to construct some meaning and it's just about us. You know, Richard mm. Dawkins, the selfish gene, just keeping yeah. it going. How do we know that story is not fake and we haven't created that one? Oh, this is all getting to all sorts of story inception here. Um, so, <laughs> so, so to return then, so you can be living out of a story, right? Yes. Um, that's different to what you believe. Mm -hmm. So the third, going back to your love of etymology yes. and the words, the third sort of word that cultus comes out of when you go back through the old French, back to the Latin mm -hmm. is cultivated. 
There's a gardening mm. metaphor here. Now you think about cultivating. We have all these, um, um, you know, ideas that oh, I just cultivated my garden. It's like very nice, and I've got a cultivated garden. Yes. You grew up in the country, Daniel Intrepid Soundman. Grew up in the country. Cultivating is hard work. Yeah. You plow fields. You plant. It takes years. If you mess that up, you can not have harvest, and people, you know, yeah. in the olden days would starve. Right. So cultivate a culture is something you repeatedly do yeah okay so a story gets more real the more you repeatedly live out of it so you can believe that jesus died on the cross yeah that we need to worship god but if you're repeatedly living out of this story to the point where your neural pathways are shaped by these repeated actions that if you just every day living at algorithms online Consumering pat- consumerist patterns, an individual life script, you're going to have a gap between that and your Christian belief because you're not truly inhabiting the story. Yeah, well, wow. I am, yeah, I've got a lot to process on that front. Um, as you were speaking, I was thinking about a, a number of things that I've realized in my own life that, yeah, Jesus wasn't the center of how I was behaving and what I was believing about myself or what I wanted other people to believe about me. And I'm a little way along that path, but you know, as you were talking, there's just like a number of other things that are coming up. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really profound. How, how do we want to want to finish off this little thing while people are kind of sitting in this space of, I guess, um, looking at their lives and figuring it out. I want to end with two two ideas. Yeah. Um, and the first one is that we can talk about secular culture and we can have these strategies of how do we reach a secular culture. A lot of stuff now is like, oh, here's a you know, if you write a book on reaching secular culture for the gospel, mm-hmm. and that's good. We need to do mission, but there's a profound problem with our secularism. So what this shows that if if you the modern version. What if the modern version of Israel saying that they worship Yahweh and going to the temple and worship him, but then going home and there's the little Baal alcove in their home and worshiping him as well? Yeah. What if the modern version of that is a form of Christianized secularism? Okay. Ronald Rollheiser says in his book, The Shattered Lantern, this. The problem of atheism and unbelief is not that the existence of God is denied, but that God is absent from the ordinary consciousness and lives of believers, not alive enough or important enough. And he makes the point referring to Nietzsche's comment. It is this, it is in this way that we have killed him. So the concept that when we can even adhere to these solid theological doctrines or yeah, we're Christians and we believe in justice. And that's an affirmation or a belief that then is not changing at a subatomic level how we live and our story that we're living out of. In a sense, we're killing God because we're separating the God who incarnates into the world and lives away. Jesus lives the kingdom. When he turns up in Israel and that day he opens the Torah scroll in the synagogue and reads from Isaiah, he's saying, the way is here. 
Everything yeah. you've been longing for is here. Yeah. And I'm here and I'm going to show you. God is not going to remain distant as an abstract idea. I'm here. Watch me as I do this. Watch me as I heal the sick. Watch me as I share the good news of God with the hurt and the people on the margins who think that they're too broken for God. Watch me as I come in and do this religious renovation and go into the temple and show how it falls short. Watch me as I walk to the cross and take the sins of humanity on me. Watch me as on the third day I'm raised and then equip the apostles to then take this message to the ends of the world. That God comes close and is it's a belief and it's a way, it's mm. a culture to be inhabited. So this is not just about how do we reset the church to meet 21st century Western culture, who's actually running a broken story. Yeah. It's a two-level broken story that now suits big business, really. Um, And so what this is about, there's this great part, and this is what I'll leave us. There's a great part in, 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 in Tom Wright's biography of Paul that came out last year. And by the way, it's sort of like the great biography of Paul. I used to think, why is there not a great biography of Paul? And I think, you know, this could be it. But he talks about this part where Paul gets this point of his ministry where he has been imprisoned and there's this emerging Christianity. He's trying to bridge the gap between people who are Jewish believers in the Messiah and Gentiles who are coming to believe in the Messiah. How do you hold those two worlds together? It's multicultural. It's crazy. There's divisions. Mm. There's heresy. Holy Spirit's breaking out. It's all happening. And... Wright sort of argues that Paul gets to this point where he can't write enough letters to make it all happen and yeah. give everyone their beliefs. And I'm just going to read um, okay. something that he said. Um, he discovered that the power of the gospel belonged utterly to God and not at all to himself. Learning how to think as the Messiah had thought, Paul insisted, was the only way to live radical unity in the church and was also the secret of how to live as a pure and spotless children of God in the middle of a twisted and depraved generation. So what he's saying is like similar to ours, this multicultural society that's broken, the Roman Empire's contradictions at its core. How do you live in that way? And he comes upon this concept. And, and again, Paul is using letters Quoting from Wright, Paul is using letters to teach his churches not just what to think, but how to think. He can't tell them everything he'd like to tell them. He would run out of papyrus scrolls long before he got to the end. Mm. So he's, I, can't, I can't give them all the belief. But I love this. Wright goes on. But that wasn't his job. His job was to incult the, inculcate them. Inculcate. Living in a culture, inhabiting, mm-hmm, uses that mm-hmm. word there, inculcate, living in a, in a culture, cultivating a way. So inculcate, continue with the quote, in them, the mind of the Messiah. Taking your mind out, which has yeah. been formed by these yeah. broken two-level stories, taking out the wrong things that you worship, taking out the ways in which you have inhabited a faulty universe of belief taking out the things that you've repeatedly done which actually point worship back to yourself and now that jesus is risen and we worship him we now now to devote our lives to having the mind of christ so this is not trying to change the church to fit 
21st century Western culture. This is Jesus's kingdom culture becoming the the center of who we are, how we think, how we operate. And we live that way. We believe it. We live it. It's our brain culture. It's our everything. That's the kind of Christianity which we're being invited into in this moment of social and cultural turmoil. Wow, this, uh, whew, yeah, uh, as you were reading that last little bit, um, I was just coming back to that verse about uh, you'll be transformed by the renewing, or we're called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's, you know, I kind of have never fully understood that until now, like renewing your mind isn't renewing it for a blank slate, it's renewing it to be the mind of Christ, to to live and think and breathe as Jesus did. (sighs) Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, great. Can't wait for next week. See you then. Yeah. You've been listening to The Living Temple Podcast. For more information and resources, head to thelivingtemple.org.